Life is back on, sports bettors, and BetUS has your NBA, NHL, NBA, UFC, PGA, and yes, NFL betting lines up for their 27th year and live betting on all of it. Log in to BETUS.com or call 800-792-3887. That's 800-79-BETUS. BETUS for 125% bonuses with the promo code the Zone 125 You bet, you win, you get paid. BETUS.com. Hot takes are coming in left and right. As the Wisconsin Badgers disappoint Bucky Nation across the world. So bad, in fact, that the safety Colin Wilder had to apologize after the game. Rowdy's over-under win total of 9.5 is in jeopardy. It's now Badgers' last stand as Michigan comes to town. And it'll be that way every single week. The Badgers and Rowdy, this is not good for your over-under bet because you took the over. Michigan is ranked, what, 19th? 20th, whatever it is? Undefeated, but they still, the best team they've played is Rutgers. Well, here's the bad thing about ranked teams in the Wisconsin Badgers. Yeah. The Badgers are now 0-7 against ranked teams. Yeah, and you should see Graham Mertz's uh, numbers against ranked teams. Not good. So a little Johnny Cash covering Nine Inch Nails hurt. This it hurt Saturday at Soldier Field. I go, I got up so confident, so excited, so ready to see Graham Mertz take the reins back, the narrative back, to say I can do this thing. I am the next great Wisconsin quarterback. Instead, what we saw at Soldier Field, cut deep, as Johnny Cash suggests. Because Graham Mertz, that was one of the worst performances of quarterbacking I've ever seen put out on display for just about any team. That really hurt. Ugh. All right, boys. I like doing the I like doing the music along with it. I feel it adds the dramatics to it a little bit. <laughs> it's... All right, so after the game, I said, Graham Mertz ain't it. Graham Mertz ain't it. Rowdy, besides your over-under being in jeopardy now and that half a stack, what else do you have to say about the Badgers? They're not even close to the team I thought they were going to be. <laughs> They're bad. I mean, you look at it. The defense, yeah, the defense looks pretty good. They gave up 10, maybe 17 points total to the Notre Dame offense. The rest was special teams and, well, the Wisconsin Badgers offense giving Notre Dame points. The offense, though, isn't even close to what I thought it was going to be. The offensive line over the what? The past three, four years have been recruiting a ton of four and five star offensive linemen. (laughs) They have a ton of experience with guys that have played in the past and played well. And the mix of young talent and old experienced players that have played well in the past is pretty much non-existent on the offensive line. (sighs) The quarterback play is awful. And then you look at the the tight ends and the the receivers and the running backs. When given the opportunities, they've played pretty well. I don't think you can really argue with anything a tight end, a wide receiver, or a running back has done. Because most of the time, the running backs run pretty well when they have a sliver of hope. Mm -hmm. But normally they're getting hit at the line. They're getting hit behind the line. The wide receivers and tight ends, I mean, hell, you saw Cundiff make a, a, a hell of a catch over <laughs> his shoulder. Cundiff. Like, that's a guy that you've never even heard of. Yeah, I mean, 
you have. He's just mainly stays in and blocks. Exactly. You, you <laughs> don't just, hear about him. To be positive. Yeah, like you it. don't hear about him making plays, but he's out there making a play. Yeah. Obviously, Ferguson, he's a guy you hear about a lot. Pryor and Davis, they've played well when the balls are actually catchable. Yeah. And that was the biggest thing for me. I'll start with the line. The inconsistency on the line. I don't think I've ever seen so many times in which they're getting blown up either at the point of attack where they're rushing or on the backside of a run. And Malusi or Garendo or Berger, whoever was taking the carry at that time, is getting hit from behind because the back end is getting blown up or or they're running right into it because the front end's getting blown up. RJ's I don't know if RJ's gonna like this or not, but RJ, ever since Mission Barbecue came on for that line, it's been tough. And I know you didn't care for it when it happened on the cover of Sports Illustrated, but I think it's time for Red Robin to throw their hat back in the ring for NIL for the offensive line. Because when they when they were going to Red Robin for the Yum. They were good. Yeah, when they had when they had bottomless fries. Now Mission Barbecue. I mean, also, most of the guys on that cover are all now starting in the NFL. <laughs> okay, that, okay, that's a good I'm point. I'm not sure any of these well, yeah, guys Well, yeah, because they ate Red be. Robin. Yeah. Yum. Yum. RJ, Nelly just gave a little dissertation. We'll get back to Nelly, but how about you, Quick? The phone lines are blowing up. I, I got They're locked and loaded right now. I got to get to them soon. I, I got to hear the takes. I go back, and I will just say, remember... Your offensive coordinator got demoted to make sure offensive line play improved because that's the one thing they said was lacking last year. Well, that offensive line play has not improved. It's gotten worse. And your best offensive line coach, who's done it at the pro level, is on the other side of the ball coaching inside linebackers. Mm. Or is it outside linebackers? No, whatever it is, he needs to come back to Whichever offensive one line. Bob Bostead is coaching. Come back to O line, baby. He needs to flip sides, and it might be time to show your former offensive coordinator the door. So we start with Whoa. the offensive line. We start with the offensive line because that's kind of front and center. If you have good blocking, it makes everything else easier. Mm-hmm. Well, after the offensive line, you have to look squarely at the quarterback because Graham Mertz has zero confidence on the field. He can say whatever the hell he wants in in press conferences and interviews and whatever and and act like he's this and he's that. But when he gets out on the field, he ain't that. There's zero confidence. There were so many times where he had receivers like uh, Pryor Davis open, and if he throws it uh, at their first cut, first right down. out of the turn, he's there. Well, it's, it, it was there. It's it's right when they when it was when they got to 13 points. Yeah, that. If he would have thrown it initially, you pick up that first down, you're probably on your way so what's, if to what's running the bigger of an issue? He had, he had so many times where he had Pryor and Davis, if he throws it off their break, they're open. Yeah. And he, he was so, one, he's not confident in his reads because there's so many times where if that first read's not there, he panics yeah, and he shows panics. up and, and he doesn't know what to do. And then after after that, he's not throwing balls on time. No. And the third thing is, he wasn't accurate. He was how many awful. times did he actually, the offensive line actually gave him time to throw the football, and how many times did he miss receivers downfield that were open? All right, I'm thinking of a Twitter poll. What's more of a bigger issue for Wisconsin right now? Is it the offensive line or is it Graham Mertz, the quarterback? See, I think the offensive line... In the in the game flow that they had last week or this weekend, played good enough for for them to win that game. 
if Graham Mertz makes those throws. Graham now, Mertz. The, the, not saying the line is good by no, any means. No. I'm going to put that Twitter poll out. Phone lines. I'm going to get to you in just one second. I got to read the stat. Graham Mertz's stats in five career games against ranked opponents. The Badgers are 0 and 5. Mertz is 103 for 191. That's 54 percent. 205 passing yards per game. He's thrown against the five ranked opponents, two touchdowns, and 11 interceptions. Well, it was it's 11 turnovers. Not I think all of them it's are I think it's eight interceptions. Yeah. Oh, sorry. But sorry. Still, 11 turnovers. Doesn't matter not if it's good. A, yeah. It doesn't matter if it's a pick or a fumble. It's yeah. still yeah, a turnover. It's still a turnover. So 11 turnovers. Excuse me. Let's go to the phones. It's quick. not like eight interceptions the, is like. Yeah. Oh, that's better. Got the Twitter poll out right now. People people getting a little irritated with one of the the options, which is the most glaring issue for the Wisconsin Badgers right now for football offensive line quarterback or play calling. Everyone jumping down the Twitter poll's throat to say play calling. How can you say it's play calling? Well, here's the thing. You don't got to vote for it. That Just, is true. You don't have to vote for we it. We had people call in saying it was uh, falling on the shoulders of one Paul Christ and the play calling. So that's why it is up there. Uh, right now, quarterback leading by 84% of the vote. Play calling 11%. Offensive line 5% will react to it. But first, well, I, I brought this guy's name up over the commercial break, and it's like Beetlejuice. You say it three times, Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice. And all of a sudden, he appears. Dave from Edona. What's up, dude? By the way, Nelson was 4-2. I'm going to learn, you know, Nelson, I'm beginning to learn Chinese because we're going to go there enough that over the next three, four months, so I think my second language will be Chinese. Oh, the World Buffet? Yeah, I mean, I, I, mean, I enjoy going to get another free meal because, you know, Nelson just, you can't keep a good thing just like the Brewers, you know. They win, 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 and then when it gets to, when it becomes crunch time, they just fall. <laughs> At least he didn't change the rules of the bet. No, no, the bet was the oh. RJ. Oh no, 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 no. You changed the rules of your bet twice. Then after you lost, you changed how you were going to pay out on the bet, and then told everybody else they couldn't collect. What? Oh, the RJ, yeah. the RJ is incorrect again. Nope, he's not. <laughs> did I, we have the receipts. Did, did I not say they had multiple days to either call me? Nobody called. And nope, nobody you texted. you gave them two specific days. Monday, and Tuesday, it's kind of hard if they don't have right, your right, contact all right, information. All right, all right, all right, all right, all right. All right. I know, but the thing is, RJ, no, nobody texted, so RJ's being an idiot. Well, again. if they don't have your contact information, how are they texting? All right, boys. All right, boys. Call the dogs off. It's back to the matter at hand. Well, yeah, back to for well for not me. D- not Dave sailing out on his bets. That's fine. For me, I actually had faith that Wisconsin could do something. Obviously, I've lost faith in Graham Mertz in, in this offense. But two, when you make when you make the big bucks like we do, Dave, you know, a little tax write off for charity is always something good to put on. There. Hey, and I'll and I'll take that charity and say, hey, you know, Graham Mertz's new logo now. Since he's from Kansas, it's now going to be Dor- you know, Dorothy from Wizard of Oz clicking his heels saying, no place like home. There's no place like home. No place like Will home. Will the Kansas Jayhawks even want him right now? No. And I'm telling you guys, everybody's blaming the quarterback. They're blaming the offensive line. No. Teams know what plays they're running. I can figure out what they're going to run. Teams have taken away Wisconsin's two strings, over the middle and, and jet sweeps. When you bracket Ferguson – what happens to Grant? He struggles. And when you take away the jet sweep, that's 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 been the cream of the crop the last four years. Teams have taken it away, and now Paul Chris needs to adjust, and he, and he currently hasn't adjust. And you know the quarterback's just bad. But it was nice. I had Notre Dame's broadcast out at Telly's on on Saturday. I really enjoyed pick six, pick six. 
Dave, zero dash twelve, right, buddy? But as far as the Packers, I thought he said good news. Now, Aaron tried to give that one away until the last sixty seconds. I've never I've never come across a play calling talking about play calling. Fourth and goal in the one, let's throw. Third third and one, let's throw. You got the lead, let's throw three straight bombs. Now I know that they're trying to go pass interference in the first half, but man, I mean he I mean, yes, he he, he he stepped on the field. He put up and shut up in the last sixty seconds, but he sure tried to give that one away, didn't he? I mean, the first you know fifty nine hey, minutes. They still won though, Dave. And also yeah, speaking yeah. speaking of winning, can you yeah. just congratulate the Brewers or for winning the NL Central real quick? It's, it's September, Dave. Do, can you just give a congratulations to the Milwaukee Brewers for winning the NL Central real quick? Just hey, real quick. I will. Hey, I will. Get, I will congratulate Nelson because I will get a third meal when they when they lose the World Series. Well, can you just real quick just give a congratulations to the Brewers who won the NL Central? Hang on, let me take my pants down and and, uh, and start start taking a dump here. <laughs> All right, see you, Dave. <laughs> All I wanted was just a congratulations. Hey, congrats, Milwaukee Brewers. That's all I wanted. Yeah, and now supposedly I'm roped into another bet if they don't win the World Series. Aren't they getting very passionate right there? I love this. Well, love well, to hear hold it on, hold well, on. He's the one who wants to talk about integrity, and then he changes everything. I like integrity from uh, Randy Marsh. Integrity. You need one to get some integrity? I need that after watching the Badgers on so, Saturday. <laughs> so if Dave wants to make a bet about integrity, you know, the Brewers have to win a World Series. Right now, currently, to win the World Series, the Brewers are 8-1. to one. Does that mean that if he wants those odds, that if, yes, the Brewers don't win the World Series, he gets a, a meal? But if they do, I get eight meals? Because that's that's what the odds tell me. It's eight to one. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. I don't know. Hell, I'll be eating high on the hog for the rest of the year. All right. I mean, you've already been taking, I mean, Dave's been taking you out a lot, Rowdy. So looking at the Twitter poll right here, and we'll get to some Packers, we'll get to some Brewers as well. Um, I, I'm reading people here not wanting to get after the play caller, Paul Chris down here. Uh, our guy, No Moss, says play calling. On all of those interceptions, there have been dudes wide open. That's the third of the three glaring issues by a mile. Uh, Chad says hard to have imaginative play calling when the old line can't block and the quarterback can't do the most basic things. That's what I'm saying. I My vote is for Graham Mertz. I voted I, for Graham Mertz. So, yes, we can you know nitpick play calling here and there at certain plays. 100% for sure. The offensive line hasn't been good. Yes, it's probably been, if not the worst, probably the second worst offensive line that the Wisconsin Badgers have had since I've started watching them, you know, 22 years ago. The only team or the the only team with the worst offensive line that in my mind you can argue about was one that decided to stop blocking for a quarterback because they didn't like him. Yeah, because there, there was there was other issues going on within the team. Yep, that's probably the only offensive line right now that I think might be worse than this team or could be worse than this team. But that being said, it's not like Graham Mertz was running for his life every single play. Yeah. There were times where he had guys open downfield. He had time to throw the football and deliver it, and he was so inaccurate. It's bad. He overthrew guys. He yep. underthrew guys. He just be left, then, left and right, and then he throws like two guys. balls, two balls on the money that were like more than twenty five yards downfield, and everyone thinks he's like a hero for a second. Yeah, yeah, he did it. It's like, but it's like he stinks. when they take away when they take away his first read, he becomes so antsy in the pocket. He gets happy feet. He gets wildly inaccurate. It's not good. Graham it's Mertz, not good at all. Graham Mertz was asked after the game if he was concerned about whether the Badgers could move on from him as their quarterback. He no. simply just said, no. 
18 for 41, 240 yards, four interceptions, including two that were returned for touchdowns. He also had a fumble in the fourth that led to another Notre Dame score. Mertz, since throwing seven touchdowns and no interceptions in his first two starts, Illinois and Michigan last year, he has now thrown three touchdowns and 12 interceptions in the next eight. Okay, so we compared all last week Jack Cohn and Graham Mertz. Understandably so. That was even billed on the you know the national shows, the na- national talking heads talking about Jack Cohn being a former Wisconsin quarterback. Mm-hmm. One glaring difference between Jack Cohn and Graham Mertz, and it's evident watching the games, one, Jack Cohn didn't turn the football over like Graham Mertz. Now, yes, he did go out with an ankle injury, so he didn't play a, a full game. But he didn't turn the football over like Graham Mertz, and that's what we were saying. He's a guy that was going to take care of the football and, and be more of an efficient passer. He might not have had as big an arm as Graham Mertz does, but he's going to do all the little things right. Yeah. You look at Jack Cohn, he was under pressure, in my opinion, more than Graham Mertz was. He got sacked, was it six times? Six times, or 12 tackles. They got him under pressure, Rowdy. They They had him under pressure. But yet he still didn't turn the ball over like Graham Mertz did. And then then on top of that, you watch the two play. Another glaring difference to me between the two quarterbacks was Jack Cohn went through his progressions. They asked uh, Jack Cohn to throw the ball more than Graham Mertz was throwing the ball until he got hurt. Mm -hmm. He was going through his progressions going, okay, my one's not open, my two's not open, I'm dumping it off to number three. Or, you know, whatever. Graham Mertz was literally... Oh, number one's not there. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. What do I do? What do I do? Got him under pressure. That game that was for the Packers over the San Francisco 49ers, that game was special. The Packers were able to win that without their top two linemen. Um, uh, Inside linebacker out with concussion early. Jair Alexander got beat on a touchdown showing he's a little human, right? Devontae Adams got his brains bashed in, stay able to come back. And... (sighs) You, you just look at it, that was a gritty win on the road the first time the, the Packers had had a true road game with fans in the stands. Also, it was, it was like a year and a half. by far the best game they've played all season. Yeah. Now, obviously, it was just game number three. <laughs> Saints was by far the worst. Detroit, yeah, they won by 18, 35 to 17. The Lions. But you looked at it and you're like, it just didn't feel right. It didn't sit right. Like They didn't go out there and dominate like they should have. There was a few Jared Goff turnovers where you're like, outside of that, it was a pretty even game. They were even losing at halftime. Like, it didn't feel good. You weren't satisfied with the win. But then you're like kind of sitting there. You have San Francisco looming. You have Kyle Shanahan, a guy that's absolutely carved up your defense in the past. Yep. There was no Robert Sala, but that defense for San Francisco They've really stifled your offense and Matt LaFleur in the past as well. And hell, you even had the refs kind of against you too. Yeah, you had some players that were out, but San Francisco's still a really good team. Indeed they are. They went in there, and in my opinion, they kind of dominated San Francisco. They did. They totally did. Now they that was got, a third-quarter lull. But. They got stopped uh, in the red zone down near the goal line and, and didn't come away with any points. Yep. But outside of that, I thought the offense looked pretty good. And without the refs somehow finding either no calls or calls that went against the Packers, I don't think that was really a game. No. Yeah. I think I think the Packers, without a lot of those calls by the referees, they go out there and really put it to San Francisco. I mean, how many of those phantom calls or or lack thereof a call 
was it just continuously in the second half? Yeah. Um. How great. Well, the, yeah, the refs were just. Listen, it was it was pretty one sided. But here's the thing: you hear Niners fans today complaining about how the Packers got all the calls too for those pass interference calls, which were clearly pass interference calls. Yeah, like the one where like, Devontae Adams on. gets grabbed like the whole time, and yeah. then he gets redirected. And they're like, what did I do? What? It's like in what world is that not pass interference? But the big thing that bugged me too was the Eric Stokes pass interference down the middle on third down where he barely had his oh my hand God. on the Didn't guy's shoulder him. for like two seconds. He maybe brushed his collar. And the guy fell over by himself, and they they called pass interference. And then you got uh, Collinsworth on the call saying, oh, well, he did have his hand on his shoulder. It's like, like stop it, at dude. At what point? You were, just, you were just saying how, oh, I don't know about the Devontae Adams one where he literally got pushed and turned around, but yeah. now all of a sudden that is? Yeah. Packers were able to just get it done. No, it was their and the defense. The defense looked good. The best part about it, it did. The best part about it, Rowdy, was you go to San Francisco. If you're a Wisconsin sports team and you go to California, you always struggle. The fact that the Packers went out there and took it to, did you see? Did you see right when they scored? The Packers did the first touchdown. Matt Lafleur was like, "F yeah, F yeah, let's run effing talking about Matt Lafleur just dropping f bombs." You knew that game was big for Matt Lafleur to punk Kyle Shanahan. At Levi Stadium. The fact that they went there, the first true road game they've had with the first true away, you know, the fans, you know, breathing down their necks for them to go out there and do what they did. 37 seconds left, no timeouts, and Rodgers and Devontae, the connection, then set it up for Mason Crosby. It is, to quote Brett Bielema, borderline erotic. Well, just think about how different this game is feels if they lose to the 49ers like if say the last 30 seconds seven 37 seconds didn't happen and they didn't go down the field and score or say that the you know Mason Crosby field goal wasn't made mm-hmm. how upset are you now that the Packers are one and two they just got completely hosed by referees out in San Francisco Oh yeah, the, like the field living. goal just we'd makes it feel so much different because they played such a good game. Yeah. The defense I thought played really well because San Francisco probably had at least two touchdowns that were aided just strictly off of referee calls. Yeah. I, I thought it was by far their best game, and it just would have been a shame if it would have been ripped away from them due to refereeing down the stretch. Yeah, it was great. Uh, Rod, Rowdy, here's the comment here from Aaron Rodgers after the game. You know, Rodgers just so confident. Mason Crosby just so confident. Devontae Adams just so confident. Even after getting his brains bashed in, should have been a call. Where's the ref on that one? Here is Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. How'd you miss that? Yeah, here's just a three-second clip from Aaron Rodgers after the game. How could he not be romantic about football, man? How could you not be romantic about football, man? So he steals a line from Billy Bean in Moneyball. Hey, Rodgers is always borrowing Rowdy and referencing, and you know, little clips he just in there. took out baseball and put in football. How could he not be romantic about football, man? How could he not be romantic about football, man? Well, is it okay if I steal Brett Bielema's quote? It's borderline erotic. <laughs> <laughs> it's a little different coming from Bielema. Uh, yeah. But that game last night was romantic. That was, um, that's like, wow. You know, well, th- this works for me, Rowdy, because I'm a married man. But, you know, the first time I went on a date with my wife, or then, you know, the first date, right? You could feel that spark, that connection. You could feel something. You're just like, man, this is. This is it. Last night, seeing the Packers able to not only put the demons to bed a little bit of that week one loss to the Saints, and then, you know, we had some questions after the Lions victory, but to see what they did on the road in front of all the fans at Levi Stadium, punking Kyle Shanahan and the Niners, 
especially in the state of California where the Packers have struggled. It just feels right with this team now. From where we are week one to where we are after you know week three here, it this team feels right. It feels like a team that now I'm going to get ahead of myself here and I'm going to get my expectation and hopes up. That's what I do as a Wisconsin sports fan. But to feel the energy and how they won that game, and then you have the last dance, uh, the last dance, excuse me, connotations. Last night felt like a team of destiny to a degree. Am I wrong in saying that? I know it's week I three. I know I, it's week three, I, I, but I come on, bear with me, brother. I, I think I'm going to have to bring you back down don't, a little bit here because I, I don't don't think uh, there was any time so far this season that I say, "Yep, this is Packers team of destiny. They're going to win it all this year." How could he not be romantic about football, man? I love you, Aaron Rodgers. I love. But you. I will say. Packers. You're seeing some good things. Obviously, Rodgers to Devontae Adams was big. You have Aaron Jones, who's still a guy that when they hand him the football, he's running the ball well. He can catch the ball out of the backfield. Obviously, he's a weapon. But I think on the bigger thing for me was the defense coming around. That was that was something that I was glad to see. You saw guys right. getting pressure on the quarterback. They were they were blitzing. They Ebo. were they about, were blitzing. How about Rashawn Gary getting after a little bit? I was really questioning him. He was he was getting after a little bit rowdy. Uh but yeah, uh, Devondre Campbell has been a nice little pickup for the Packers as well. Yeah, Gary, he had a couple pressures. Yep. He had Preston half Smith a sack. getting there. Preston how, Smith had a sack. Yeah, Preston Smith played well. What about uh Jonathan Garvin too? 53 Looks just like Rashawn Jerry, Gary with the dreads, but he's 53 instead of 52. Yep. He got after the quarterback a couple times, had half a sack. It was nice to see they were bringing pressure and that they were getting to the quarterback and at least causing issues. We didn't hardly see any of that in the first two games. Hey, the defense was so good by Packers standards last night that the first person that Aaron Rodgers hugged when they won that game was the defensive coordinator, Joe Barry. Another, another positive... How about the fact that MVS and Rodgers were finally on the same page? Yeah. With an open deep ball? Yep. Is MVS going to be okay? Because remember how many times he had MVS in the first couple of weeks wide open him. and he just missed them? Yeah. Um, Team of Destiny, I'm not going that far, but yet again, it felt this, like it though, this night, one Rudy. felt good because it felt like it. they played their best game, they had everything going against them, and they still found a way to win. It felt like it last night, man. I just I just could, <clears throat> I could feel it. Epic. Mason Crosby hits the field goal. Packers win. How about the offensive line, though, from the green and gold? Elton Jenkins not able to play. Out. Angle injury. Bakhtiari, out. So in jumps Rowdy. I, 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 I screw his name up. Nigi Yojman. It's huh? it's wild because going into this, first off, obviously we've talked about Aaron Rodgers looking good, the connection with Devontae Adams looking good. He hit a couple plays to Valdez Scantling for longer passes. It looked like it was starting to come together. Aaron Jones was being Aaron Jones when handed the football. He's a guy that He's shown he can do multiple things, catch the ball in the backfield, run the football. We talked about the defense having their best game and the the Green Bay Packers putting their best game out there, but we didn't talk about the offensive line. Yep. And the offensive line played really, really well. Like Rogers only sacked one time. Myers is looking like a really, really good pick. Obviously, you have uh, 
Besides a little ass chewing he got from Rodgers that one time. Yeah, but, but you're going to have that. He's, he's playing he's in rook. his third ever NFL yeah. game. Like, you're going to have that. There's going to be some growing pains, but he's showing you that he clearly is going to be a good one once he's fully yep. done developing at the NFL and level. And that's what on the broadcast said, hey, Corey Lindsley warned him a little bit. You're going to get your ass chewed a little bit from Aaron Rodgers. That just comes with the territory, though. Well, then you look at the guard play, and you had Newman and you have uh, Runyon. Both played extremely well. Yeah. And then Billy Turner was just Billy Turner. Oh, Billy. No, nothing flashy, just gets the job done. But yeah, even even at left tackle, you you were down your you're down your best two offensive linemen. Yep. And you're playing one of the better fronts in the NFL with the San Francisco 49ers who, I don't know, you ever heard of a guy named Bosa? Nick Bosa's pretty good. Yeah, he was a beast. I mean, they have a ton of different guys that they can come at you with rush wise and that green bay packers team for the most part they kept uh aaron Rodgers upright yeah just, and they allowed yeah. just one sack just one and you're literally playing with your third string left tackle like they, they, it's they like need a utility get, knife yeah. yeah they need to get more of a praise for how well they did too because i don't think anybody would have thought that aaron Rodgers would be sacked just one time in a game especially that was with, in san francisco with a guy like nick bosa staring you down on the other side yeah, you have Kinlaw. I mean, yep. D Ford's out there. Like they have players. They do, and um, it's just. It, it was a thing I, of I think I think you're seeing that this is going to be a really really good offensive line because they're going to have to figure out where some of these guys are going to play. Totally, because Bakhtiari is expected back what week six or seven. Yep, he's going to come back and play left left tackle. Obviously, then you're going to move. Uh, Elkin Jenkins into playing right guard. Okay. Get him healthy. Now Meyer is your center. Billy Billy Turner is definitely your right tackle. That leaves just right guard open for one of three guys. And it's John Runyon, it's uh Royce Newman, or it's Lucas Patrick, who looks like he's fallen out of the graces with the Packers. So it really looks like it's just Newman or Runyon that'll come in and play and right guard. Runyon's nice and Newman's got that beautiful mullet. They've both played well so far. They've only they've both continued to get better each yeah. week through the first three weeks, and it looks like finally, once they get healthy, they're going to have a really good offensive line, and not only that, they're going to be deep because one of those guys isn't going to be in there. Lucas Patrick was still a guy that going into this year, everyone believed to be a serviceable player. Nijman, or however you say his name, he looked actually pretty serviceable at left tackle. I was a little concerned. Yeah, after after uh, he kind of got into the flow of the game, he looked pretty he serviceable. And nice. for a third string left tackle in the NFL to Take play it. that well, Take it. I think uh, Brian Gutekunst has to be ecstatic for what he's got. Life is back on sports bettors, and BetUS has your NBA, NHL, NBA, UFC, PGA, and yes, NFL betting lines up for their 27th year and live betting on all of it. Log in to BETUS.com or call 800-792-3887. That's 800-79-BETUS. BETUS for 125% bonuses with the promo code THEZONE125. You bet, you win, you get paid. BETUS.com. I'm going to go to this guy right here, our sports director, Zach Heilprin. Uh, Zach, good morning. You were in Soldier Field. You're at Soldier Field watching that display of, I guess, football. Um um, God, I have a Twitter poll going on right now, Zach, and we're going to talk, you know, through a lot of things here because there's a lot of things to talk about. Uh, but the Twitter poll I have going at Zone Madison, it's uh, what's the most glaring issue for the Badgers right now? Offensive line, the quarterback, or play calling right now? Fifty-eight percent of the vote going to 
quarterback. What the hell is up with Graham Mertz, dude? Yeah, they they take uh, they get more credit than they deserve and take more blame. But in this situation, he deserves a ton of blame because um, on Saturday that was as bad as he's looked, and he's looked pretty bad at times over the last ten starts or his last previous to this nine starts. You know, he's he's when his first guy's not open, it doesn't look good. But he had guys also running open on Saturday. They had uh, a lot of opportunities to throw the ball down the field, and he just missed them. And I honestly can't – I don't know why he's unable to, to hit those throws that we know he can make, that we've seen him make a practice. It just doesn't make a ton of sense. And um, I, I, I don't have an answer to why Graham Hurts is not the player that uh, we all think he is or th- thought he would be, I guess, coming in. And um, obviously the high school rankings don't mean a ton. Yeah. But I've seen him make the throws. I know he can make the throws, and he just hasn't been doing it. So, Zach, after the game, Mertz um, was asked, I'm you know, reading your awesome article at MadCitySportsZone.com and your tweets at Zach Halperin, but Mertz, after the game, was he asked if the Badgers could move on from him as their quarterback, and he simply just said no? Yeah, yeah. Like, what was and, the vibe like after like, when he, that question was asked? No, I mean, he's, he answered straight up no. I mean, it wasn't like he was pissed off or anything like that. He just said no. And you know why he said no? Because... He knows they can't. They don't have anything behind them. It's not like they can go to their bench and be like, hey, let's give this guy a shot. Case Wolf, and every opportunity he's had, he has not delivered, uh, save for, I guess, one pass against Minnesota to, to, to Jack Dunn for a touchdown late in that game. But he's, he's thrown 12 passes in his career. Three of them have been intercepted. Like, you, you, as bad as Mertz has been you know, with the ball, Chase Wolf's been worse, so there's there are no other options. Graham Mertz is the quarterback. Maybe you get Chase Wolf involved in like a some kind of package, like they did at times last year. But no, this is. I mean, he doesn't have to worry about being uh, at least right now, at least this year, he doesn't wow. have to worry about being replaced. I mean, I have a lot of questions, you know, coming from that. It's like, what's it come to recruiting, and what's it come to that quarterback room, and the future of the Badgers? If Graham Mertz continues to struggle like this, it's going to be. Some tough sledding, but uh, speaking mm. of tough sledding, I, well, yeah. No, I'll, I'll say this. I just we, we've kind of talked about it on the camp uh, yesterday. If it continues to struggle, there's not a chance in the world that they don't go out and get somebody in the transfer portal next year. Like they wow. they have to. There's just no way that you can go and uh, even you know you bring back you get Miles Burkett, who's a true freshman coming in, but he's not going to play. Deacon Hill didn't even dress on Saturday. The guy, the quarterback they brought in this year, so. Yeah. I, there's no chances. I think they go and get a quarterback in the transfer portal if uh, Graham Mertz continues to struggle. Wow. I mean, Vince Beagle tweeted out, Graham Mertz ain't it, and then he deleted it. <laughs> it's like, it's yeah, okay to say game, that. Screen grabs don't go anywhere, buddy. No. Uh, I still want to ask you about the defense coming up here, Rowdy. Yeah. I just never really understood that. If you're going to tweet that and you have a like, following you like know. Vince Beagle, which are going to be Packer fans and obviously people from the professional ranks as well, you know, even if it's up for like two minutes, not even two a seconds. ton of people are going to see it. Yeah. Well, right. we all, we all tweet or say stuff that when we're emotional, um, that we, you know, kind of regret. I've never deleted on. a tweet once. There's no one believes that. Uh, I've seen you delete multiple tweets, not once, um, multiple tweets, but anyway, yeah, not even he, about karaoke nights, not once. <laughs> no, I, we all, we all have done that. Like, we all have gotten emotional about something. Uh, his just happened to be a lot more high-profile than anything that we've ever done. Uh, so, Zach, speaking of high-profile, the Wisconsin's offensive line is supposed to be this high-profile line coming in. Hell, they got the, the NIL deal with Mission Barbecue. It was something that was so heralded with all these big recruits. What 
what's what's the I mean, is the run game was it bad or was it just the offensive line was just so inept that they couldn't get anything going for that offense? I think it's kind of funny that everyone talks about the recruiting rankings and yet the guys that are starting right now were not the much uh, talked about recruits. Yeah. Um, well, the talked about you know, recruits they, did they even play? No, they're young. They, most of all those high ranked recruits have come in in the last two classes. Um, so expecting offensive linemen to as uh, high high ranked recruits come in and play right away just doesn't make any sense. The only guy that's playing right now in terms of highly ranked guys is Jack Nelson, and he's still a young guy at right guard and. He struggled on Saturday. The entire line struggled. But, uh, oh, they're recruiting so much better, yet the line is horrible. Well, the guys that they recruited just aren't playing yet. And I don't know. You know, we'll see when that happens. But the line has not played well. They certainly didn't. They played horribly against Penn State. They were better against Eastern Michigan. And then they uh, were unable to get much going in the uh, in the run game. But Notre Dame was playing all but one guy within six yards of the line of scrimmage. They were not anyone because they were not scared. Of Graham Mertz. Hmm. So the line can only do so much in the run game when you've got that many guys at the line. It's one thing if it's Eastern Michigan and uh, you can just yeah. plow your way through it. And it's another thing when it's a top 10 team, which I think probably we shouldn't lose sight of. Both the teams that they have lost to are, are top 10 teams currently. So, uh, but yeah, if you can't, if you cannot run the ball uh, or if you can't pass the ball down the field and get them out of that single high, it's not going to matter what you do uh, in the run game against a good opponent. And that's always been the case for Wisconsin. The passing game has to make the other team pays for putting that many people close to the line of scrimmage, and they just this this particular group of Badgers to this point have not been able to do that. Man. Zach Halpern, our sports director, joining us right now in attendance at Soldier Field to see Wisconsin suffer a crazy loss, a bad loss, 41-13 uh, to the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. Zach, uh, defensively, safety Colin Wilder apologized to alumni and the people in attendance. I, I don't think I've ever heard a player apologize to the fans and also, former players is that is that something new for you as well? Yeah, he was really uh, he was really good after the game. Uh, if you know, in terms of just you know saying what was on his mind and uh, he was really passionate about it. But I don't necessarily think they have anything to apologize for. I mean, if and they didn't give up forty one points. Uh, thirty eight of the forty one came, you know, after whether special teams or turnovers. Like they didn't with the defense once again has been fantastic. Like if you so right now they're ranked fifty fourth in the country in terms of points allowed per game, Wisconsin is. If you took away the special teams and offensive touchdowns they've given up, they'd be ranked fifth. So um the defense did its job. But yeah, Colin Colin apparently Eric Burrell and Jack Sitchie were in the locker room and they apologized to him. I don't necessarily think the defense has anything to apologize for, but he did it and and he's not willing to point fingers even though uh, everyone else is. This is so crazy. I mean, the defense, I should, the defense I should, was good. I say, yeah, I should also say that he, he admitted that it would be very, very difficult to keep the locker room together at this point, to wow. keep the team together at this point because of the loss, you know, a ranked loss, back-to-back ranked losses, big game losses. And, you know, he said other guys have to step up and lead because it's uh, very, very difficult right now to keep everybody together, which is, I understand that, but you're only 0-1 in conference. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it's not, the season's not over. Yeah. And, so, I mean, if they go ahead and lose to Michigan, maybe... Okay, well, maybe real quick, not to steal your thunder, but, Zach, but the Wisconsin Badgers right now are 0-7 against ranked teams. And last time I checked, Michigan's, oh, really? Michigan's ranked. Really? Mm-hmm. They're 0-7 against ranked? Where'd you get that from? From you. Oh, okay. You've thumped so, me yeah, I, I, I completely understand that they're 0-7, and Michigan is going to be a, a huge challenge. But again, it's, it, it's one game that they've lost in conference. What I'm saying is, I'm not saying that they're going to beat Michigan. I'm saying that they have an opportunity to, uh, not, not yeah, turn their season around 
and, and get it back on track if they find a way to beat Michigan. I mean, that's that's what I'm saying. I'm okay. being Mr. Positive as opposed wow. to Wow. All right. Well, okay, Mr. All, positive, Zach Heilprin. You being said negative like you guys. You said the word opportunity. And, um, you know, I don't know if he appreciated the reporters in the room and asked him about opportunities and winning the football game with Notre Dame Fighting Irish. Uh, but on this Twitter poll, it was quarterback, offensive line, and then play calling. Where does play calling stack up for uh, taking blame here in these losses, especially yesterday or Saturday? A lot. He has to own it. Because as bad as, I mean, say less, even going back, you, you mentioned the seven losses. They've averaged 11.6 points per game in those seven games. And that, takes into consideration the 21 and the 27 they put up in the final two games of 2019. They've been horrendous, and Paul Chris has to own that. He, and he has to own some of Graham Mertz, too. He's the one that's supposed to be developing Graham Mertz. He's the one that's supposed to be turning him in. He's the alleged quarterback whisperer from long ago that has certainly not been the case uh, for the large, large part of his uh, head coaching career. But he has, to, he has to own that for sure. But I also think that they're extremely limited when your quarterback can't make Teams pay for uh, the um, like he can't he can't Paul Chris can't go and deliver the ball to Danny Davis when he's running down the field or Kendrick yeah. Pryor on a double move way down the field he he can't make that play like he's that's not him but um, when his when your quarterback doesn't make the simple throws uh, it puts you in a really bind as a as a play caller and but no he has to own it because uh, it's his team yeah. it's his offense. He he put that on himself. He took that away from Joe Rudolph. Put it on himself. He has to own it. And play calling certainly is a part of it. This just not very imaginative. But how imaginative can you be when your quarterback's playing the way he is right now? Are you still waiting on that five hundred dollars on that bet? <laughs> <laughs> I got about like four hundred eighty-seven. Yeah. I'm waiting for. Mm, I'm sure you'll get it very soon. Yeah, I'm sure you will too. Hey Zach, before I let you go. <laughs> Let's end on a positive note. How about Aaron Rodgers? 37 seconds, no timeouts, Devontae Adams and Mason Crosby. Where'd that one stack Man. up for you? It's up there. It's up there. I mean, you blow a 17-point lead. How badly would that? How badly would this feel this morning? If they had, you know, 17-point lead, you had all those phone calls by the officials, and uh, obviously been able to figure it out. It all makes it all better. Uh, and you can deal with those official calls while sitting at 2-1. and one. So, yeah, that was a... That was a ridiculous game and uh, really impressive, obviously, from Rodgers in the offense at the end. Yeah. And Mason Crosby. Mason Crosby is the man. And also Brewers NL Central champions. But, Zach, uh, you are a Ooh. champion of podcasts. If people want to consume the camp, which I'm sure this week's going to be electric. You already alluded to it. Uh, give us a little preview and how we can get it. Yeah, well, you can get it anywhere you get your podcasts. Uh, me and Jesse obviously broke down the, the Notre Dame game and talked about uh, Graham Mertz's struggles and whether he can overcome them at some point, somewhere down the line. Uh, and, uh, you know, Paul Christ in potential hot seat. Oh. Hot seat? Oh. No. Oh. Yeah. Well, well that, that, yeah. So oh. we certainly talked about that. And uh, I don't want to spoil it for you. No, tease it. Just tease it, baby. Yeah. He's uh, not too warm there. Not too warm there yet. <laughs> hey, Zach, we appreciate your time, man. Good stuff. All right, guys. All right, Thank you. Buddy. Bye. Bye. There is our sports director, Zach Heilprin. Good stuff. I can think of no better way to intro this man right here than with another guy who had his celebrations on Saturday, but with the incredible call from Sunday. Two outs. New York 9-8-4 Brewers. The stretch. The pitch. Swinging fly to left. This should do it. Gallich is there. It's over. 
Jordan in the ninth to set the match down. One, two, three. And the Brewers are going to the postseason again. Oh, my God, does that just feel good hearing Uke. Bob Uecker, the legendary broadcaster, called that. And we now welcome in a legendary sports writer, our guy, Andrew Wagner. Good morning, Drew. Uh, starting off on Monday morning with Bob Uecker, you can't, you can't go wrong with that. Oh. You just can't. Hey, Andrew, you were in attendance for the game yesterday, and you had texted me, I think it was Saturday, maybe Friday, and you had said, no way are they going to get this done on Ryan Braun's day at American Family Field. And my God, it, it couldn't have been written, written any better. It was written in the stars. They do it as Braun is there in attendance. Oh, you had to say written in the stars. Oh, man. <laughs> everything. God, I still that song stuck in my head from 2011. Goodness gracious. You're welcome for that. Good morning. Yeah, good morning. Take us through. Take, take us through the oh, sights and sounds. Cool, this, this might have been one of the coolest weekends that that I've ever been around at, at the ballpark. Just you know, having Gomi and Yo back on Friday, getting to see Doug Melvin was there. Ron Renneke came back. He's always you know my all time favorite. Was Ken Maka there? Uh, he was not. Okay, good. I already I got along great with Ken Maka. Like him and I. You guys, are, no you guys issue. are both kind of curmudgeons. I get it. Actually, on this show, yeah. Seth McClung blames his career downspin on Ken Maka. Yeah, Seth McClung said that multiple times on these airwaves. Yeah. <laughs> I mean. hey, let's, let's focus on what happened, though. NL Central champion Milwaukee Brewers. Was Bob Euchre in the clubhouse? We can, we can, we can do an entire four-hour show on what went wrong with Seth McClung's career, but that's hey. for another day. Hey. Uh, I have a funny story I have to tell you off air uh, when it comes to the Twitter account. But, dude, I saw Daniel Vogelback taking beer bongs in the clubhouse. Was Bob Euchre taking a beer bong, too, right there with him? I don't know. We weren't in there. Um, but I, I heard it was rather raucous. I, I, I would venture to guess that uh, – I want to know how much champagne was spilled onto the state of Wisconsin ground yesterday between the Ryder Cup and the Brewers – it was uh it was a day for bubbly. Holy cow. Yeah. Um it was an incredible that was, day. that was pretty cool. It, it it that had to be one of the cooler days in Wisconsin sports. Like if you think about it, just all eyes on the state yesterday, especially after the debacle on Saturday in Chicago. Oh dude. Uh, no, going back to the weekend, like it it was really cool. Seeing the video they played and I'm sure the Brewers posted on Twitter like you watch that video tribute to Euchre and even the one to Braun, you're going to want to have some tissues around because it's going to get, you know, allergies are going to kick in. Yep. So it was cool. It was, it was a cool way to cap everything off. And we were walking out on the presser with Brawny yesterday. He kind of joked, yeah, I mean, he knew it was going to be, I'm going to end up being part of clinching this thing again. <laughs> and sure enough, sure enough, they do it on his day. So. So, Andrew, looking at this team with the Brewers, I mean, the Cardinals, God, I mean, the Brewers have tonight off. Um, they're probably going to be nursing their hangovers from partying you know, yesterday afternoon, which is totally fine. Uh, but, my God, are the Cardinals still hot. What, 16 straight in a row now? Uh, you know, how should the Brewers end this season entering into the playoffs? Do they need to kind of show a little more with the bats? Like, because they're pretty quiet in that series, you know, against the Cardinals. Then, obviously, they woke up to the Mets. Like, how, how are the Brewers entering into the postseason here? I... I... I don't. I don't know. You know, I, because you look at who they're playing over this final week: three against the Cardinals, three at the Dodgers. Like, do you really want to go out and show anything? I mean, the Cardinals you see a ton of, so you're not going to be able to hide anything from them. But 
you know, I, I, I don't know. Like, do, do, do you arrest guys? Do you? That's a tough decision. Like, you want to slow down the Cardinals' role for sure, but you want to give guys a break, and, and you don't want to give anyone, you know, too fresh of a, of a scouting report. So, I don't know. I, I, I don't buy into the theory that, you know, you have to, to, to stay sharp the entire way after you clinch. And, like, I, I don't believe that you have to, you know, do certain things to get hot in the playoffs. I definitely think you're you're in a good spot if you're rolling into the playoffs, but because baseball is such a different breed, like you know the Cardinals are they've won 16 in a row. There's still a week of games to play, but that one game playoff, you know, one bad inning that 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 snuffs everything out. So I don't know. I, it, it's going to be interesting to see how how Council goes about this week. I'm sure yes. he's going to use it to line up his guys and get them in position. You know, in terms of the starters, but. You know, I don't think you're going to see a lot of uh, a lot of regular action. Yeah, I think they're probably going to come at the St. Louis Cardinals like it's a, you know, like a, almost like a playoff series slash, you know, normal regular season series where nothing's locked up just because they are familiar with both teams. You kind of want to put a good taste in your mouth against a team that just swept you at home in four games. But I think you're going to take that last series to kind of rearrange, get your starters in order, get your bullpen in order. And that's uh, how good of a feeling, though, for the Milwaukee Brewers that most likely if everything stays the same, you're going to have the two hottest teams in baseball play each other in a one-game playoff in the wild card with the Dodgers and the Cardinals. I know. That's at the same time. It's like, you know what? Why not just just roll over and, you know, let the Cardinals smoke you this week and go in there (laughs) red hot so they can maybe do you a favor and take out the Dodgers. So all you gotta do is worry about the Giants, possibly. You know. It's, okay, I like that I mean, idea, but so I hate weird. I hate manufacturing stuff like this. And I know it's a different sport, but oh, yeah, Rowdy, yeah. remember when the Milwaukee Bucks did that yep, to get the Boston and I Celtics, hated it. and then the Bucks fell flat on their face? I I like winning. I like habitual winners. I feel like I'm a habitual winner, Andrew. I feel like you're a habitual winner. Rowdy is too. So I like I like winning and putting your best foot out there. So you know, I'd like to see the Brewers do that, but to manufacture, yeah. yeah, I don't know, man. But uh, now that the, they won the NL Central. Can you give us a little more sights and sounds of what happened there uh, at American Family Field? What was it like? I saw a really special moment with Colton Wong. And this is how cool sport and baseball is, right? Colton Wong had his newborn baby out there. How special is that? Yeah, that was that was awesome. I'm normally not a fan of tiny humans. I don't understand like what the appeal is. They're tiny, they cry, and they poop a lot. You know, it's kind of like a That's only for so long, you know. Kenny. Then they're just stealing yeah. your money on your wallet. Exactly. <laughs> you know, taking cigarettes, stealing the car. No, I mean that was really cool. Like it, 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 it was. I don't know how to describe it. It, I, I, it was just cool to see. Like the stadium was packed to the rafters. You know, people were going nuts. People were happy. Um, the Bobby Euchre signature out in center field. You know, then seeing you come down the field for the team picture and confetti falling. Like Man. it was. Aside from the like overcast sky and the silver confetti making it look like you know nuclear winter in Russia <laughs> at one point, like does this what Stalingrad looked like? Hey, we're like we're cockroaches over here, Andrew. You and I, we can survive that. All right. Yeah, but it was you know it was just a cool experience. It wasn't the same. I mean, obviously, this is like again no int, but you can't still media without me. You know, this was the first time that. We weren't allowed down, like, in the middle of the celebration in the clubhouse. I didn't get sprayed with champagne. 
which conversely meant I didn't get pulled over by a very curious police officer on the way back home. There's a plus. Um, yeah. Well, don't you live weird. like right by American Family Field? Don't you just walk there? I do now. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so but this was like 2011. I had to drive back to my old, my old place, and I had no idea. And I, you know, missed a turn or missed a light or a stop sign. I got pulled over, and the guy was like, "Whoa, you been drinking?" I'm like, no. And I couldn't figure out that. Yeah, I've been sprayed with beer and champagne. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, no, officer, I swear, I swear. I, I was yeah. in the locker room with the Brewers partying for the NL Central Championship. I swear. It's like, likely story, yeah. Elky. Blow it. Right. It's like you're at Homer and Barney uh, coming really from the cool Duff plant. People kind of going nuts yesterday. And, you know, especially after the sour taste left in the mouth the game before by a certain football team. A little bitter about that. Um yeah, it was a nice way to end a so, really, really cool weekend in Wisconsin sports. Did you have to chuckle because I was looking at your Twitter account at by Andrew Wagner, an incredible follow. Suggest everyone do so. I'm looking right here, Central Division Champs gear or new line of team licensed trash bags. Tell us what happened. Yeah, there, that's pretty Andrew. funny. I I uh, went out, another, another feeble attempt to go out and get a pretzel on the concourse, like my my Moby Dick, my white whale issue. And I'm coming back, and they're wheeling these giant carts uh, over by the concession stand, the sales stand, souvenir shop by the press box. So I'm like, what the? And I realized it was all the Central Division champ gear. It was all wrapped up in, like, garbage bags. Oh, I wonder what this is. I'm like, people are already pawing at it like, oh, I wonder what these garbage bags are. Can you people just relax a little bit? Okay, let me ask you about relaxing somewhere because I like the gear. I hope you would have snagged me one, Andrew. But I think you had more important things uh, on your brain, like you know, getting the story out there for the masses to read because yours is incredible, much more than the AP. But Andrew, when it comes to uh, the Milwaukee Brewers, Rowdy had a very passionate speech, a pump-up speech, if you will. How did you describe it, Rowdy, to Christian Yelich on Friday? Basically, get your head out of your ass and start performing. Yeah, it was very passionate. I was like shaking for hours after it too. What's the status on Yelly? You know, he's the big reason why over the weekend, you know, getting some stuff done. Are we concerned about Yelly moving forward, or can he get hot in October? I still have no doubt that he can get hot in October. I mean, guys go through slumps. It's baseball. I don't know. And very rarely do they go out and perform for 162 games, and very rarely do they go out and stink for 162 games, though the Brewers do seem to have one of those players right now. Um <laughs> That wasn't a shot. Like, I actually liked JBJ a great deal. Oh, like, yeah. I, I mean, defensively, like, sure, but offensively, oh, my God. Oh, man. You're just, he is in the, he is in the tall grass right now. No, I think Christian Yell is going to be fine. He's one of those guys that, I mean, you've seen it. He shows up at the big moments. We saw it with Braun. We, you know, see the guys before. When that spotlight's on, those dudes are ready to go, you know? And, and listen, when you're one of the better players, one of the best players in the game, guys are going to come at you with stuff. And, and you're going to fail a lot. It, well, it's baseball. how you do the next step back, you know, and you're still not seeing him going out there flailing crazily at really horrible pitches. Yeah, you know what? He might strike out at one that he should have had uh, more often than he has in the past, but he's not going out there and digging and trying to put it all on his back and trying to get it all back in one swing. And that's the sign of a guy that knows he's in a slump and knows that he can still do stuff to contribute. You know, that whole – just put it in play mentality. Just get a good pitch, crank it, and let whatever happens happen. That's a good thing. That's the encouraging thing. That's what tells you, all right, he's having a bad year. He's not just completely lost and hopeless at this point. Yeah. Andrew, 
What a segment. What a time to be alive. Brewers NL Central champions. I noticed when you were talking about how great the weekend that was outside of the Badgers, you said Ryder Cup, you said uh, Milwaukee Brewers. I didn't hear you mention one Aaron Rodgers with 37 seconds left, no timeouts, finding Devontae Adams for two big throws, and Mason Crosby with the game-winning field goal. I'm not even going to lie. I didn't know until literally when my alarm went off to come on this radio show that they had won because I passed out in, like, I don't know, the second quarter of the game. And I woke up, you know, just now. It was a long day yesterday. I it didn't was. even I didn't even know they were playing at night until I was walking out of the ballpark. Did you get at least a celebratory drink last night for the Brewers? No. Okay. I came home, I let the dog up because he'd been sitting here for like ten hours. Came home, ordered a pizza, ate it, fell asleep. Right, here's what I want you to do. I want you and if you don't have one, maybe I can have someone drop it off. I need you getting a bottle of champagne. Shaking it up as much as you can, popping it with the doggy this morning, chugging it, and then going back to bed, okay? I got Bucks Media Day in three hours, buddy. That ain't happening. Nothing wrong with uh, a little maintenance buzz coming into the the, the presser. Come on. <laughs> Love you, buddy. Right, see you, Love buddy. You, Good buddy. stuff. See you, man. There he is, Andrew Wagner, my guy. Forbes.com. Follow him on Twitter by Andrew Wagner. Good stuff. Crosby to try to win it. Is good to win the game. The 49ers couldn't take enough time off the clock at the end. That was a big one. I mean, it was a 51 yarder, so uh, you know, it's uh, you got to hit it true and hit it, uh, you know, hit it solid and celebrating with the guys in the end zone. Just seeing seeing that energy and feeling that juice is uh, is what it's all about. Ooh, baby, nothing better than hearing that with Led Zeppelin in the background and the voice of our guy Mike Clemens. Good morning, Mike. Ebo, how you doing, man? Um, besides the Badgers, Mike, I am on cloud yeah. nine. I couldn't sleep yeah. last night after that Packers victory. No, no, that was a much-needed shot in the arm. And I'll tell you, um, you know, on the on the okay, we'll wait and see side of the of the equation. You know, you played a 49ers team that was like on their fifth running back <laughs> last night. And and this is a, a system that's designed for running backs. This is a system that was designed 25 years ago when Mike Shanahan was in Denver with the Broncos, and he had an aging John Elway and said, okay, how can we help this guy out? Let's come up with this running game and shorter passing game. And that was the whole philosophy through that and then what they did when they were through the Redskins. And then this is actually what, you know, Matt LaFleur was hired for. What do we do after Aaron Rodgers? Because we're not going to get uh, someone who can pass, pass, pass the whole game. And yet, you know, some of these guys are finding out it's not so bad to have a quarterback like Sean McVay with Matthew Stafford. Right. You know, <laughs> right. maybe we do need to upgrade at quarterback. So last night um, after this game, um, Aaron Rodgers was asked, uh, how many seconds did you need to reach that field goal range for Mason Crosby uh, from your own 20-yard line with 37 seconds left on the clock. How many? Did you, how much time did you – what's the least amount of time you could do? 37, yeah. I mean, no timeouts from the 25. You need two chunk throws. I mean, I knew that. So that's why it wasn't uh, dink and dunk. You don't have any time for that. We had to get uh, at least 15 on the first play. And then, you know, and a little bit of wind uh, – Outdoors, you know, Mace 55 was kind of the end range, I was thinking. So that means we got to get the ball to 37. So, um, you know, we needed uh, 38 yards. So we need a couple chunks. 
Mike, that was nothing short of special, wasn't it? Well, and that's what a, you know, a veteran does. is He says to these guys, we don't have to worry about 80 yards. We've got 37 seconds. We can get 38 yards, right, and get, it, get, you know, get in Mason's spot. So the next thing is the first play was just brilliant is, you know, when he's dropped backs, he's got protection, and he finds his number one target, Devontae Adams, with just single coverage over the middle um, at, at the 50-yard line. I mean, you know, that was huge to get that final drive going that way. So Rodgers was asked, how did you and Matt LaFleur come up with that 30-yard pass play to Adams that took him to the 50? And he said it happened in practice last week. I do the two-minute, and I like to adjust some routes from time to time to get a look at what it feels like against our defense. And so I just adjusted one of the routes, and we, we all liked it. And Maddie suggested it right before, the last, uh, you know, right before we went out there. He said, what do you think about uh, this play? I was like, yeah, I like that. That's, I think that'd be, that'd be pretty good. It's like poetry in motion, Mike. A lot of people, uh, you know, putting their own little signature on it, too. It's beautiful. Well, Rodgers, you know, I think fans know this by now. When they go into two-minute, Aaron Rodgers is calling all the plays like he's Bart Starr. I mean, he runs the two-minute. That's the deal he made with LeFleur coming in. I handle two-minute offense. So, basically, that's LeFleur consulting him. And, yeah, right before they went out of the sidelines, uh, LeFleur reminded him of that play. Um, hey, remember that thing we talked about Thursday night, this particular situation? Here's the other thing that oddly worked in the – in the favor of the Packers. They had no timeouts. That's when you think, oh, 37 seconds and no timeouts? How can you possibly get this in the field goal range? But Devontae explained that, you know, the 49ers, they, they say, oh, wait, these guys have no timeouts? Protect the sidelines. Don't let anybody run, any side, run, run out of bounds to stop the clock. Here's Devontae. Well, I think the fact we had no timeouts played a lot into it because they were kind of shielding that sideline. So, um you know, it was pretty, the middle of the field was pretty wide open. And uh, I wish on the first one I would have got a little bit more of a field um, and, and refrained from getting scooped on the, <laughs> near the sideline by 51. But, um, yeah, we were able to get it done, man. So, so it's all that mattered. Mike, it's just I, I keep thinking back to that, you know, game last night, and I'm so glad I couldn't sleep because it kept running over and over my brain about Devontae Adams. Is Devontae Adams' brain okay, by the way? Because he took a bad hit. Yeah, even uh, you could, I could see up on the monitors that you could kind of see Devontae's eyes through his visor, and you're like, oh, my God. Because, you know, he got hit by Danny Trevathan when the Bears picked him up from the Broncos. Uh, Trevathan drilled him and got fine, and Devontae had to go to the hospital mm-hmm. that night after that headshot. So, uh, clearly, that, you know, Jimmy Ward is a first-round pick for the 49ers from 2014. There are still some of these guys that are really smash-mouth football players, I mean, even in the preseason. And I'm sorry, I, I perfectly understand it's football, but you, I mean, that you can't take the crown of your helmet and drill it into a guy's chin. Uh, and so Devontae talked about what happened on that headshot from the 49ers safety, Jimmy Ward. I've dealt with a lot of stuff like that and just the mental toughness to get in there to know wasn't a concussion. So it was, you know, I went on the sideline. They evaluated and saw it right away. You know, I was straight. It was really more than more than anything on the ground was my chest. You know, I was having trouble catching the breath, but definitely good now. Just adds to the story of, you know, Devontae, Rogers, Crosby being warriors out there. And the thing that impressed me the most, not only was the Packers going up 17 to nothing on this defense. Now, that 49ers, those corners, man, 
I mean, they're out there with, you know, they're, they're at second and third string cornerbacks, too. Quan Williams left the game with a calf injury. Uh, uh, Josh Norman, their veteran, uh, he left the game with a chest. So you've got, you know, second and third string corners out there. But the Packers still got back to running the football, and that is a very tough defensive line. And, you're, you know, when the, when the Packers lost those NFC championship games, you had Corey Lindsley and these other veterans out there. Last night you had three rookies. I mean, between Yash Nyman at left tackle and then Royce Newman at right guard and Josh Myers the center, those guys have got a combined game of like five games (laughs) that they've started, you know, six or something like that. And so the difference is you could see that these guys came to play against one of the most physical teams in the NFL, the 49ers. And Matt LaFleur said he talked with Rodgers this past week about how do you get this team to give it in 100%. Yeah, I think our guys came out ready to play tonight, and I think you could feel it. I thought we were physical. We knew that going into this game uh, that they're they're a physical football team, and you could see it on tape. I mean, certainly we had the one crossover game with the Detroit Lions, and uh, it showed up all over that tape, and that's something that you could see as we were preparing for the Detroit game. I kind of took note of that. knowing that we were going to play them in a short period of time, that this is a physical football team. And so I thought our guys, you know, did a really nice job of of matching that physicality. And, and to me, it's a mindset. And so certainly any time that you prove that you can go out there and be physical, I mean, that's the standard. And so I'd be disappointed if we don't match that each and every week because the, there's so much the competitiveness in this league. I mean, there's, there's not a lot that separates each, each and every team. And certainly it doesn't get any easier next week going against another physical football team in the Pittsburgh Steelers. Um, so our guys are going to have to recover in, in short time. We had a lot of guys get nicked up today, and they're going to have to – put everything in to trying to get their bodies back, get their minds right. I mean, shoot, I, I think we land at like close to 4.35 in the morning. And mm. so it, it's a pretty quick turnaround. And they're going to have to get rested up and, and healed up for another physical battle next week. Yeah, Mike Clemens joining us right now. Mike, I think that meant a lot to Matt LaFleur because when the Packers first scored on the opening touchdown drive, it was uh, him on the television broadcast saying some choice words. I can't repeat yes, them on sir. the airwaves. Some choice yeah. words about him you know, taking it to Kyle Shanahan, one of his friends, an old you know, buddy. Yeah, I, you know, and so Shanahan... You know, this is the story that he's facing. Like, oh, why is his team now for the second year racking up these injuries so early in the year? You know, is it time to fire the trainer? Or has it got to do with philosophy? You know, if it's John Lynch, you know, likes to bring in the veteran free agents. Is your team getting too old, uh, too banged up? You know, and you give up a lot of draft picks to get, like, a Trey Lance to go up in the draft to get another quarterback to compete with Garoppolo. Versus, you know, the build through the draft to Gutekunst. Last night, build through the draft looked pretty good. Kyle Shanahan asked on what this loss tells him about where his team is at so far. Uh, I mean, I think we got to play a lot better than we did. I mean, just some of the mistakes that we made, especially early in the game in the first half, especially on third down with some critical situations. I think what you guys saw out there at the end, just getting back into the game, shows um, some of the players we have on our team. I thought there were some great individual efforts of guys just making unbelievable plays that got us in and gave us a chance to win that game. But some mistakes that we made throughout the game, you don't win a lot of football doing that, and that's what we got to clean up. Is uh, Shanahan and Lafleur still friends, Mike? Because after the game, it looked like a little, uh, a little tense. 
Last week, it was regarded as clickbait. I told Bill Michaels, listen, Mike Silver, NFL Network, with this report he put out uh, Thursday morning, because he started getting this from sources from probably the Jets, probably even Robert Salah or Mike LaFleur uh, from both sides. The night before the draft, the 49ers pick up the phone. Kyle Shannon picks up the phone because his agent is the same as Aaron Rodgers and a couple other people involved. And so they're getting words that Aaron has not been happy for the last several weeks, that you know, LaFleur and Mark Murphy and Goodigans are making these trips out to L.A. So they pick up the phone and call the Packers and say, is Aaron Rodgers up for, are you up for trading Aaron Rodgers? Packers say no. Okay, they move on. That gets back to LaFleur, that his buddy tried to pull that trade. And so the next night, um, the Jets, uh, with Robert Salah, the former defense coordinator, and Mike LaFleur, Matt's brother, they get on the phone with Kyle and his staff, just old buddies. Hey, how's it going out in the West Coast? Great, yeah. And then there's some jokes about, uh, well, we know who you're taking. You know, you're going to take a quarterback, right? And then someone says, well, we know you got your quarterback, Aaron Rodgers. And Kyle Shannon gets like, how did that get out or whatever? <laughs> and he's and, he, and he's like, uh, yeah, your brother hasn't called me back, Kyle says. And Mike LaFleur says, yeah, that's because you're trying to get his quarterback. <laughs> so, And Kyle Shanahan got angry and stormed out of the room as if, Matt LaFleur stopped taking Kyle Shanahan's call. Oh. You know, like Kyle's trying to maybe send out the olive branch. After the game last night, you, I mean, it's on tape, man. The, the, you know, this great battle. These are old friends. I put that in air quotes. And Matt LaFleur is walking out to the you know, center of the field to shake hands, and Kyle Shanahan pats him on the back and walks right past him. Like, you know, like a bad brush off at a cocktail Woo. party. Woo. So, so... One of the women, one of the reporters in the 49ers press conference asked Kyle Shanahan about that moment. The broadcast showed you meeting LaFleur at midfield. Very quick exchange. Is, is that just emotions? I know you guys are normally closer. Yeah, I think I was just pissed about the game ended on the last <laughs> play and wasn't trying to hang out too long in the middle of the field. Yeah, you know, I, I'd say you have to ask Kyle about that. I'm sure, I, I know Kyle and he's ultra competitive and I'm you know, it's that's that's a tough moment for anybody to be in, and you know, I'm sure he was ticked off that we were able to take the ball down and kick a field goal to win the football game. But yeah, it's certainly, I'm I'm not going to let anything that we've got a lot of history together, so I'm not going to let anything come between our our friendship. I think Taylor Swift said it best, Mike. Now we got bad blood. Yeah, it's a family feud. It's official. <laughs> we got it on tape. So at the end of the day, Mr. You know, Mr. Grudge, Mr. Revenge, Mr. Chip on my shoulder, Aaron Rodgers. All right, man, it's been 17 years. You know, yeah, well, you grew up in Chico just three, three hours from here, and you played at Cal, and Justin Wilcox was one of your, like a linebacker coach for you. Then he back coached for the Badgers. He was Paul Chris' defensive coordinator in 2016. Now he's a head coach at Cal. Well, you know, you got these people still in the Bay Area, still loving Aaron Rodgers. Like, man, we screwed up. Why'd we take Alex Smith instead of you? So Aaron was asked, how much does it mean to put this show on to get the win in front of 70,000 screaming 49ers fans here in the Bay when, you know, maybe this should have been your job all along? I mean, I would say earlier in my career there was uh, maybe a different motivation that involved, you know, April 23rd, 2005, um, <laughs> that kind of adjusted over the years to 
just a love for this area, a lot of respect and appreciation for my time here. Uh, going to Cal, still very close to the program. Uh, Justin Wilcox and I actually exchanged texts this morning. So Andrew McGraw, I saw I was there a long time, um, part of the football program. So uh, I love uh, love the area. Still have a lot of uh, a lot of friends in the area. It's always fun coming back. Hasn't been fun, you know, two of the previous three, but this one's pretty sweet. Mike, absolutely incredible stuff. Before I let you go, I have to ask you. Have you hit up a, a jet airliner back uh, to Wisconsin yet, or are you still out in Cali? Yeah, <laughs> it's a, it's an all nighter. You know, <laughs> can't complain. It's not a bad gig. How was it out there, at Levi Stadium? Oh, it's, it was. Uh, I was overwhelmed. Not a lot of cheeseheads. Although you hear a lot of cheering come up when Mason Crosby got that kick. But uh, no, those 49ers fans. And the thing is, they weren't they weren't like neat nerdy guys from Silicon Valley. They were beer drinkers. And when you got well, beer yeah. drinkers in the stands, you got noise. Yeah, we save those we save those nerdy ones up for the LA area, Mike. All right. <laughs> yeah. Hey, right, nice talking with you, Mike. We'll check you out later this week as well, and also on the Bill Michael Show, man. Keep up the good work. We love you. Appreciate it, Ebo. See you, buddy. There he is, Mike Clemens. Mike Clemens NFL on Twitter. 